0: Let's take our Bibles this morning, please, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to finish up our series this morning, Glory Touching Earth. Glory Touching Earth. I would encourage you to be here tonight at 5 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service. We're looking forward to finishing up the series, The Character's of Christmas. A few weeks ago, we had a message on the angels on Sunday night. That was Pastor McPherson, and then Brother Calvin brought us one on the shepherds, and then last Sunday night, Brother Roberts on the wise men. And so tonight, Austin, our son Austin is home, and uh, he's a preacher, preaches all over the place, and uh, he'll be preaching tonight on the Christ child. And so we look forward to that at 5 p.m., our evening service. This morning, though, we want to finish our series, Glory, touching earth. and the first Sunday in December, I preached a message entitled, Glory to God in the Highest. That was from, of course, the angel's message about the glory of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about at our Christmas cantata, we beheld his glory from John chapter 1 verse 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Last week, we looked up The verse of thy glory of thy people, Israel, and why Christ was considered the glory of the people of Israel. And this morning, we're going to look at the second part of John chapter 1, verse 14. And so there's two glories in that verse. We're going to look at the second one. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And then it says, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so this morning, the title of the message is Manifest Glory. We talked about how we will behold his glory, but now what will we see? What is it about his glory that we will see? You know, there are different types of glory in this world, isn't there? There's the glory of reaching a podium. That's actually used in the Bible. Paul, the apostle, often spoke about uh, sporting terms. The bema seat of Christ, of course, was a judgment seat that was at the finish line of a sporting event. And so he gives us that idea of the Bema Seat or the judgment, or the handing out of rewards. And to receive glory is talking about a podium. And, and so we think of those in the Olympics, don't we? Those who run the fastest, they just want to make it to the podium and they receive the glory of the prize. We are to give God that type of glory. In other words, he is the preeminent one. He is the one who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And we are to glorify him as such. And so we elevate him and we give him glory as one who is the greatest of all. And so we give him glory in that sense. But then there's the Shekinah glory, isn't there? There's the glory that descended from God upon the tabernacle and the temple. And it was very visible. And the people of Israel could see the very glory of God. But then there's a third type of glory. It's a glory that was manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the glory we want to look at this morning. He is the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So look this morning, if you will, in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And the Bible says in verse 14, we'll just read the verse. Let's do this. Let's read it all together out loud this morning. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, just so we know who we're talking about, when the Bible says the word was made flesh, the Bible says in verse one of this chapter, and you can look back there, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? Was God. And now the word God is made flesh, that is Jesus Christ, that is the miracle of the incarnation, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, let's have a word of prayer, Father help us this morning, we thank you Lord for all that has been done in this service Lord, uh, in, in our meager attempts to worship you, oh God we look forward to a day when we stand before you without sin, what a time of worship that might be. When all flesh is done away with and we're all just in the spirit of God and worshiping you and lifting up your holy name. Oh God, I pray that you'd help us have a little taste of heaven on earth today. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill us and speak to our hearts and remind us of this important doctrine of the word made flesh. Thank you so much that we can celebrate Christmas, that we can celebrate God loving us so much that he would send his son to be with us. Lord, that through him we might be saved if we'd only believe. So, Father, speak to hearts today. May the Spirit of God do his perfect work. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Manifest glory. Would you say that with me? Manifest glory. I caught some of you off guard. Let's try it again. Manifest glory. Or manifest in in the sense of what we're talking about today means to make known something that was not previously known. To make something manifest. Sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes we go to the doctors and something becomes manifest. Manifest. We don't want to know about that. and Sometimes we're just the kind of people that we were better off not knowing, weren't we? Some of you don't want to know those things. But this word manifests in a, in a good sense, in the sense that God showed us his glory through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, God's glory had been manifest throughout the ages in in certain places to certain peoples, but now he was a light not only to the Jews, but he was also a light to lighten the Gentiles. His glory would be manifest for the whole world simply because... Jesus Christ came and was born of the virgin and laid in a manger. I want you to notice some things about this glory today as we look at verse 14. It says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Now, let's focus on this phrase, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to suggest to you this morning that as I've studied just that phrase this week, it has struck my heart that this is one of the most important phrases of all of scripture. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And there's a reason why it's so important. We'll look at that in a little more depth in just a moment. It's such an exclusive thing that the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone, the only begotten of the Father, would manifest the very glory Of God I want you to notice first of all we see the miracle of his glory the miracle of his glory Uh, as as I look at this verse and I think about this as we think about the glorious of the only begotten of the father we have to admit to ourselves today that this is in fact a miracle of God there's never been a virgin birth apart from the Lord Jesus Christ The fact that the Holy Ghost would overshadow the very womb of of Mary and conceive in her a child that would be called the Holy One, the very Son of God, is a miracle. We see in this miracle His incarnate deity. Simply put, God became flesh. Let me read to you what the Bible says in Luke chapter 1. Then said Mary unto the angel, Listen, don't miss this. I had missed this for years. God showed me something this week. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I want you to notice Mary's question. The angel came and said that you're going to have a child. And her question is, How shall this be since I know not a man? I'm a virgin. I've never never tried to have a baby. I've never uh, taken the steps necessary to have a child. I, I couldn't possibly be pregnant. She says, how shall this thing be? Now, I want you to notice the question. I've always kind of interpreted the question as unbelief. Well, that's just not possible, Lord. How can this thing be? But she did not say can She said, how shall? The writers there are very careful in in explaining to us Mary's question. Mary's question was not one of doubt where she said, well, how could that be even possible? Instead, she says, how is this going to take place? How shall this be? This is wonderful. Lord, can I have some more information? How is this thing going to take place? I am willing to serve my God. I'd just like to know how it's going to happen. And the Lord said, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow thee, and you shall conceive in your womb. We see that this incarnate deity was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There are a lot of mockers and scoffers today that do not believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh there are those that have diluted this doctrine to the point where they'll say, well, he was a good teacher, but he couldn't possibly have been born of a virgin. He couldn't possibly be God. But let me tell you, prophets of old testified. The Bible talks about the angels of heaven testifying. The Bible talks about the disciples and Jesus himself and, the, and on and on it goes. And let me share some of those with you this morning. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and testified that he would be the son of God. The angel answered and said, said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called, listen, the Son of God. Not a Son of God, the Son of God. I'm glad today that because I received him as my Savior, I became a Son of God, but I'm not the Son of God. I'm not the high and holy Lord Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ as your Savior today, the scripture says, But as many as received Him, to them became the power to become the sons of God. But you are not the Son of God, you're a Son of God. But Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, is what the Gabriel told us. Then, even do you know, even the devils of hell testify? The Bible talks about many times, but let me give you one, several different times the devils of hell testified, but here's one in Luke chapter 4, and devils also came out of many crying out and saying, thou art Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. The news was going to get out too soon, but even the angels or the devils of hell knew that he was the very son of God. The disciples several times testified of his deity, but in Matthew 14, uh, Peter had just walked on the water. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. Jesus himself testified many times. People will say Christ never claimed to be God in the flesh. But here's what Jesus said about himself and many other times as well. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Do you know the centurion that stood at the foot of the cross? Even he testified that Jesus was the son of God. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly this man was the son of God later on the apostle paul an apostle born out of due time would testify several times but in second corinthians he said this for the son of god jesus christ who was preached among you by us even by me and sylvanus and timotheus which was not yea and nay but in him was yea he said he was the son of god you say who's he talking about he tells us jesus christ he was incarnate deity That just simply means God became flesh. He became a man. But let me say this this morning. Don't miss this. This is an important doctrine. An important doctrine. So I didn't come to Bible college this morning. I came to church. Listen, we come to church to learn doctrine. And we may not get up and say, well, listen, let me teach you Christology today or pneumatology today. And we may not lecture in that way. But anytime we talk about Christ, we are teaching Christology. Every time we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're teaching Holy uh, pneumatology. And, and so we, we must understand how important this doctrine is. Some have referred to it as a fundamental of the faith, the incarnation of Christ. It, it, it's, it is fundamental. Listen, if we do not have Christ, God in the flesh, laying in that manger on Christmas morn, it throws away most of the doctrines of the Bible. Why would you put a, your faith in a Christ who was not God. We would not have a perfect, sinless lamb to take away our sins. We are left without redemption. We are left without hope. We are left without his return. We have no hope of the resurrection. We are left without his healing power because only God can do all of those things. And it was manifest in the man, Christ Jesus. He said, did they believe that in the Old Testament? Yes. They gave us a promised Messiah in the Old Testament. They gave us God in the flesh or God with us, Emmanuel in the Old Testament. We are left with failed prophecies. Listen, this entire book that you hold in your hands this morning dies, it dies if we do not have God in the flesh. God in the flesh is the God of this book and that's who we preach this morning. It is one of the most essential doctrines you'll ever come across. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 It says, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Can you imagine somebody going around saying, I'm a Christian, but I cannot confess that Jesus is the Son of God. You are lost, friend. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You are lost if you do not believe in this doctrine, because you do not believe in the God of the Bible, Christ Becoming flesh, it's an important doctrine. But I want you to see it's also an intimate designation. Notice back in our text in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That word begotten is an important word. The Greek word is monogenes, or genes, as we would say it in the English. Mono means singular. In other words, he has the same genes as God. and that's something? For God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Begotten, monogenes. Same genes. You just have to read the Bible and you'll find out that he is God. He has the same genes as God. Now, I, I came from two parents and I have half the genes of one and half the genes of the other. But the Lord Jesus Christ has the very same genetic makeup as God. I don't know how you argue with that. I don't know how you get around that. He is the begotten Son of God. But we also see he is the beloved Son of God. At both his baptism and his transfiguration, God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. At his transfiguration, he said, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. God the Father said, this is my son. Son, now, I'm so thankful today that I've been born again of incorruptible seed and I've been adopted into the family of God, but the heavens have never opened up and said, this is my son. Never. Boy, I'm glad the Holy Spirit bears with my heart that I belong to him. But never has God said I'm his begotten, that I'm from the same genes. You know, here's, here's an interesting side note. Do you know, do you know the word Regeneration. To be regenerate, that means to be re-gened. To be conformed to the image of Christ. Isn't that wonderful that God takes us and makes us his children, not just by adoption, but by birth, we're born again into his family. Those old filthy genes that we had, he re-genes us or regenerates us to be like him. What a wonderful change And my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. We see in his manifest glory today, first of all, the miracle of his glory. I want you to notice secondly and quickly this morning, the manifestation of his glory. I just want to give you some things this morning, and I'm not going to keep you very long, but I want you to notice some things today. When was this glory manifest? How did we behold his glory I think of the author, the apostle John, as he writes his gospel. And he says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. And in his mind, he's recounting over and over all the times he saw Christ's glory. Now, I know that in order for this to happen, you'd have been dead for about 2,000 years now, but wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been a disciple of Christ? Some of them had a lot of doubts. But to see what they saw to live what they lived, to witness the miracles. So when does John, talking about the, the miracles or the manifestation of his glory, when did it happen? I, I believe it happened, it was manifest in the cradle. From the time of his birth, the angels said, Glory to God in the highest. A star hung in the sky to mark the place where Christ would be born. Wise men came from afar. Shepherds heard the glorious announcements on the hillsides of Judea. We see his glory right there in the cradle. It was manifest in the cradle, but it was manifest in his childhood. In Luke chapter 2, right after the Christmas story, we read of a time when the Lord Jesus Christ was 12 years old, and he went and separated from his parents, and he was found in the temple. Speaking to the doctors of the law and the Pharisees and the scribes. And he was asking them questions, but they were asking him questions. And guess what? He answered them. Isn't that amazing? 12-year-olds. I've met some 12-year-olds that think they know everything, but Jesus really did. And here's what the Bible says when his parents found him. They were astonished at his understanding and answers. That's the Pharisees. That's the doctors of law. And his parents were astonished. The glory of God was manifest in the cradle. It was manifest in his childhood. It was manifest at Cana. The Bible says that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, went to a wedding of Cana. And you know the miracle that he turned water into wine. And I point this one out in specific because it says in John chapter 2, this was his first miracle. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and listen to this, and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. I want to tell you this morning that every miracle the Lord Jesus Christ did manifest his glory. But the Bible says from this very first time, the very first time he did a miracle, and manifest his glory. When his glory was revealed, his disciples believed. It was manifest at the cross. His glory was manifest at the cross. His entire life spoke of his glory. In Galatians chapter 6, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We look at a snapshot of his life and over 33 and a half years. We find that his glory was manifest in the cradle. And it was manifest in his childhood. And it was manifest at Cana. And it was manifest at the cross. But friends, I want to tell you this. It will be manifest at his coming. Yeah. Amen. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. And In Luke chapter 21 it says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great Glory. Oh, for the last couple thousand years, man has struggled to see his glory, haven't they? I said, wouldn't it be wonderful to live during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, but wouldn't it have been terrible to live during the dark ages? When dead religion ruled the world, there was always believers, there was always a remnant. But more people died for in the name of God than, than lived. It was a horrible time. It a horrible time in history where man used religion and used the name of God to further their kingdoms and destroy lives. What a terrible time that would be lived. And for 2,000 years, the name of Christ has been largely forgotten. So many today, if we were to ask them, what is the real meaning of Christmas? They may not be able to answer you. I saw a little video thing not long ago. What does Christmas mean to you? Well, it's a time to get together with family. Wonderful. That is a good thing. It's a time where we can share in love and share in meals and get together with our family and enjoy. What about Christ? What about Jesus? Several years ago, we were having Christmas fell on a Sunday, and it uh, wasn't... Was when I was in Hamilton still, and somebody said, Are you planning on having Christmas service on Christmas Sunday? I said, Yeah, yeah, we're having, of course, we're having Christmas on Sunday, or church on Sunday. Well, you you know it's Christmas, right? You mean the whole reason we go to church? (laughs) Christ's birthday? And it's sad that we've lost sight of that somewhat in our society. My wife had a child in master clubs, I believe, or Sunday school, I can't remember one of her classes. This was just a short time ago, a couple months ago. And she began to share about Christ and the gospel. And he said, I've never heard that name before. Can you imagine in our society Never hearing that name. Isn't that sad? I believe she said he didn't even know what a Bible was. Never seen one, never owned one. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a delivery come to the church. And Pastor Paul and I, and I think Calvin, were unloading, helping the young men. There was two young men from India. And they just come here with the truck, and they were unloading. And the one young man walked in the door, and he set the box down, and he said, this is the first time I've ever been in a church. He was about 35 years old, was my guess. 35 or so, Paul? Young man, from India. I said, I, I didn't know if he was from India or Pakistan or somewhere, and I said, where are you from? He said, from India. I said, you know, we had a missionary in India for a lot of years, and I went and got a book from all of Britain. I gave him a book, and I put gospel tracking. I said, I want you to read that. Here's your her book, and I opened up to the pictures. I said, he said, oh, that's India that looks like India. I said, it is. Those are all Indian children and Indian people. I said, you might enjoy that. Would you pray he reads that? Reads the gospel track and accepts Christ. 35 years old, so I'd never been to church. He said, oh, well, there's no churches in India. There's lots of churches in India. Lots of Christian people in India, but he'd never been in church. Christ is largely forgotten, but he wants his glory to be known. He wants it to be seen so he manifests his glory and we'll see it again at his coming. What a day that will be. Let me say one more thing about his glory. I'm I'm gonna be a little short today because all the children are in here and I just know that they don't sit real well sometimes. Aren't you glad I took the bells away from them? (laughs) Listen to this. When I read John 1.14, I see the matchlessness of his glory. He is the only begotten son you, you can't live up to that you can't live up to that i was just telling you a few minutes ago about becky clayton's husband going home to be with the lord and i've known those girls since they were just little and uh i remember one year at the help program pastor stone brother brother stone's son he can be a bit of a clown sometimes and so they were doing puppets those two, Clayton, they're twins. Bethany and Becky, they're twins. And so he, he had a, the puppet stage up there, and they were doing these puppets, you know, and they were going back and forth. And Pastor Stone says, hey, let me show you kids a magic trick. And so he, said, I'm gonna have, he says, I'm going to have this young lady. He put his hand on her head. And he says, you stand up. And she stood up. And Bethany stood up, and she was wearing an old blue shirt and skirt, whatever. And he says, All right. Watch this. One, two, three, and he pushed her down and he pulled Becky up and she was wearing a green shirt. And the kids went, (laughs) wow! Had no idea there were identical twins behind there. He says, look how fast they changed their clothes. And he just, he messed with those kids. Becky might be able to say, I got a sister that's got the same genes as me. And people can't tell us apart. But Jesus is the one and only he is the only begotten son of his glory is matchless we've heard of siblings who are able to finish each other's sentences we've heard of twins my dad was a twin we hear of twins that sometimes that that when one is hurting all the way across the country they can they can feel that pain it's almost like they're connected somehow i don't know how that works it's some i don't know but there's a connection, isn't there, among us? That happens even with brothers in Christ. Did you know that? A couple times it happened in my life. A few years ago, I was, I was just thinking about Daniel Elliot. Daniel had a, a baby born at the same time as Bethany. Bethany was uh, is 20 years old, so his daughter was about the, born at the same time. Bethany's middle name is Judith Pearl. Pearl's after a lady in our church in Springfield. Her name was Minnie Pearl. And uh, we named her after her. She had died just, just before Beth was born. Well, Elliot's daughter was Esther Pearl, same lady, named after the same lady. We all went there for lunch on Sunday and all the rest. And for whatever reason, I was just thinking to Dan. I hadn't talked to him in years. He was a missionary in Korea and all over the world and, and Mongolia and Korea, those two places. And I and, and, and I don't know what it was, it just came on my mind. So I, I had his email, I emailed him. I hadn't talked to him in years. I said, Daniel, just some, God put you on my heart down I'm praying for you. And found out that was the one year anniversary of his daughter's death. She died of cancer that day. Another time, I was thinking about my friend John McConkie. I hadn't heard from him in a while and I just texted him and said, Brother McConkie, I don't know why, the Lord told me to pray for you today. And he wrote back, he said, we just found out today Joel has cancer. The Lord does that. Yeah. And the Lord speaks to our hearts and moves because somehow we're connected by his spirit, right? Yeah. And so somehow we are connected and we are like, but let me tell you, Jesus, there's no one like him. Right. He is the only, Amen. he is the only, and we share a kinship and we are striving to look more like Jesus. But until that day comes where we are made perfect in Christ, he is the one and only. His glory is matchless. Have you ever read the book of Revelation when the Lord returns? The Bible says he'll return with the armies of God, millions upon millions in white robes riding on horsebacks. Read that again sometime. We do nothing. We stand and watch the King of Kings as the word of God goes forth out of his mouth and destroys the nations of the world. We're just window dressing. He doesn't need us. We don't fight a battle. We don't need a sword. We just stand there and look pretty. The Lord Jesus Christ receives all the glory. His glory is matchless. Listen, friend, do you know him today? The other time we see that word begotten is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But listen to the rest that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest gift ever given, as Brother Calvin said this morning, was Jesus Christ in the flesh. We see the miracle of his glory. We see the manifestation of his glory all through the scriptures and all through history. And friend, His glory is matchless. He is unique. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man come the Father but by me. You must know Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Either you have him or you don't. Either saved or you're lost. But you can be saved today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. If God has spoke to your heart, he's reaching out for you. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to come to a saving knowledge of Christ today. We can preach about the deity of Christ, that he is God, but unless you receive him as your savior, it will not change your life. Just the fact alone is not enough. You must make it real by trusting him and becoming his child. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. There's a reason for that, because it's necessary. You can have eternal life today by trusting in Jesus Christ. Would you let somebody take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life? Why don't we stand this morning as the instruments play? If God has spoke to your heart, let us help you today. Is there one here? Say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Nobody's looking around. They're praying for you. Why don't you just walk down here and meet me this morning, and I'd be happy to have somebody, a man with a man, a lady with a lady, take a Bible and show you how to be saved today through Jesus Christ. Is there one?